Man, let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings as we prepare for the word of the Lord today. Father, thank you for today. Um, I thank you for those who are watching uh, in some 130 countries around the world. We have men and women, boys and girls, brothers and sisters who want to hear a word from you. And we pray now that you would bless as only you can. And help us, God, to be more than just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I don't know how many times as a child I asked that question, right? I mean, we're going on a road trip. And, man, mom has fried some chicken and maybe got some potato salad and, and made a pound cake. And, uh, man, we're we getting on the road, and, and it's going to be a long trip. Uh, maybe we were driving to West Virginia, 10 hours. Maybe we were driving to Alabama, 19, 20 hours. And as soon as we got on the road, I mean, if I fell asleep leaving New York, by the time we got to New Jersey, and that's not an hour drive, <laughs> I woke up and I said, are we there yet? Right? Because I was anxious to arrive at our appointed destination. I knew we were going to have fun. I was going to see family members. I was going to see friends. I was getting ready to go out, man, and I could play and fish and, and do all kinds of stuff that I couldn't do in the city. How many times did you ask that question, are we there yet? And here's the truth of the matter. When we ask that question, are we there yet, we are focusing so much on arriving at the destination that we really don't think a whole lot about the journey on the way to the destination. Like we anticipate having fun when we get there. But how many times... Do we think about how much fun we're going to have on the way? We typically would just try to find something to occupy ourselves on the way. How many different license plates we could see if we were riding in a car or on a bus. Uh, I love traveling on a train. And, and we would go from uh, car to car and go back to the dining car and then come back and sit down in our seats, Right? always thinking about when we arrived. My brothers and sisters, one of the mistakes I think we make in the body of Christ is we focus so much on the arrival that we lose sight of what my late pastor, Dr. A. Lewis Patterson, used to say, we lose sight of the joy for the journey. We're so busy thinking about when we get there that we miss the opportunities that we have on the way to give God the praise, glory, and honor he deserves. And how powerful it is when we do that for our own spirit. Today we're going to continue our series, Doing It God's Way. And I want to talk to you today from the thought, giving God on the way worship. Giving God on the way worship. 
Our foundational text for our series, Doing It God's Way, is 2 Samuel chapter 6. It chronicles the journey of the ark of God from the home of Abinadab through Obed-Edom's house on its way to the city of David to reestablish the city of David as the center of Israelite worship. Uh, the Bible says that David goes to Abinadab's house after the ark of God had rested in Abinadab's house for several decades in order to bring it back to its rightful place. Uh, they make a decision to cart the ark instead of carrying the ark. Uzzah touches the ark and dies on immediately touching the ark of God. David takes the ark of God and takes it to Obed-Edom's house and leaves it there because he is both angry and afraid. We talked about that last week. He was both angry and afraid. He was angry that the intentions of Uzzah, which were innocent, would cause him to lose his life because David did not understand that Uzzah's intentions never could override disobeying God's instructions. The ark of God was left at Obed-Edom's house. And the Bible says, in 90 days, Obed-Edom and his entire household were blessed. And now we come to verse 12 in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And David has a decision to make. He has left the ark of God at Obed-Edom's house. He gets word that Obed-Edom's house and Obed-Edom have been blessed beyond measure. He gets word that Obed-Edom's house and Obed-Edom have been blessed beyond measure. And now David has to decide, is he going to put his anger and his fear aside to re-engage and do what the Spirit of the Lord led him to do in the first place. Here's the first thing I want you to see if you're going to do it God's way and give God on the way worship. Number one, you need to realize the biggest thing holding you back in life is you, not God or anyone else. Let me say that again. If you're going to give God on the way worship, you need to realize the biggest thing holding you back in life is you, not God or anyone else. 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning at verse 12. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. David sees there's a direct cause and effect relationship between the presence of the ark of God in Obed-Edom's house and the blessings that have fallen upon Obed-Edom and his entire household. Now remember, there was a question. When Uzzah died, when he touched the ark of God, whether there was a problem with God in terms of God being mad that the ark was being moved or 
was there a problem with the ark itself? Well, now David gets evidence that the problem wasn't the ark. The problem wasn't the ark, and the problem wasn't God. He has had 90 days, he has had three months now to reflect on his reaction and now come back with a godly response. He reacted in anger and fear. Now, after 90 days, I'm sure he has spent time not just in prayer, but I'm sure he has spent time in researching where he made the mistake and how he tried to transport the ark of God. The reason I said I believe he spent time researching and discovering where he made the mistake is because he comes now with a different attitude. He approached the ark of God and Abinadab's house first as a warrior king, but he comes this time as a worshiping king. He comes this time, not with just his intentions, but he comes armed with a commitment to obey God's instructions. He has discovered now that the problem was not God and the problem was not the ark. The problem was with him and his unwillingness or ignorance to follow the instructions of God. My brothers and sisters, so many times in life, we miss opportunities. And we miss opportunities because we fail to realize that the problems in our life, not somebody else, the problem lies within us. For somebody who's watching right now, let me put a quarter in the meter and park here for a second. Because watch this, you blame somebody else. Every time something happens, you blame somebody else and you fail to realize, you fail to accept that you are the only common denominator in every situation in your life. You say, well, it, it, it's men. Men are no good. Okay, but you chose all the men. Uh, women are crazy, but you chose them all, right? You, you're the one that did the choosing. You're the only common denominator throughout your journey. You don't understand that the problem is not someone else and the problem is not God. The problem is you. Tyrese Gibson, actor, singer, songwriter. Many of you know him from his roles in the Transformer movie series. Wrote a book some years ago and the title of the book is How to Get Out of Your Own Way. How to Get Out of Your Own Way. Uh, Tyrese tells his story of uh, growing up in the tough urban neighborhoods of Southern California and uh, talks about his mother and the lifestyle choices that she made and the multiplicity of men that came in and out of his life who, who dated his mother and talks about the absence of his own biological father and the, and the one man who really impressed and impacted his life for the short time that he was in his life. Uh, here are some of the chapter titles in Tyrese's book. How much do you love yourself? How much do you want for yourself? 
What is your bottom line? And are you ready for the next level? Tyrese emphasizes that your life is more based upon your choices than your circumstances. And that you have to make a decision no matter where you are, you have to choose to change your life and you have to get out of your own way. Listen to what Will Smith said about Tyrese and his book. I've watched Tyrese for many years. I've watched him succeed. I've watched him fail. I've seen him as a beneficiary of serendipity, and I've watched him suffer at his own hand. And in the recent years, as we've become friends, I've witnessed Tyrese Gibson learn how to get out of his own way as he wrestled his destiny from the fickle hands of fate wrestled his destiny from the fickle hands of fate. In other words, when you learn how to get out of your own way, you stop seeing what happens in your life as the result of faith or fate. You stop viewing what happens in your life as the result of fate, and you make steps to get out of your own way so that you can be successful in life. And my brothers and sisters, you will never live up to your God-given potential if you don't learn how to get out of your own way. I know what somebody's thinking, well, I, I got some people in my life holding me back. Listen to me carefully. If someone is holding you back in your life, they're doing it with your permission. Even if you're participating passively, nobody can hold you back without your permission and your participation. Here's the second thing. Number two, told you first, you need to realize the biggest thing holding you back in life is you, not God or anyone else. Number two, you must be intentional about living God's way. If you're going to give God on the way worship, you must be intentional about living God's way. Intentional. Listen to what the text says, beginning at verse 12. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. Watch this. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. David hears about the blessings that have fallen upon Obed-Edom and his household, and David realizes that God is now giving him a second chance to get it right. David decides this time he is going to move the ark, not according to his intentions, not according to his imitation of other people, not according to what's more convenient, but he is going to move the ark now according to God's instructions. And he realizes that in order to do it God's way, listen to me carefully, in order to do it God's way, he's got to be intentional. God to mighty, let me help somebody today. You are never going to accidentally obey God. See, obeying God is counter 
to the desires of your flesh and the principalities of this world. You have to be intentional in both your actions and your attitude if you are going to obey God. David is intentional. I mean, think about it. David went to Obed-Edom's home. He brings the ark of God from Obed-Edom's house. He heads back to the city of David. He is deliberate in both his actions, his directions, his commitment. David is intentional. David comes this time, and he decides not to cart the ark. He decides to carry the ark. Because here's what David understands, Lord have mercy. David understands that the effort to carry the ark must be done intentionally, not accidentally. And David understands that to do God's will in his life is going to require more effort, not less effort. See, if you're looking for the easy way, you will probably not find God's way. Because God's way is going to require effort. Whether it's emotional, mental, physical, or spiritual, God's way is going to require effort on your part. And David recognizes, now when I come back, I'm not going to try to cart the ark. I'm going to carry the ark. Are you willing to put the work in to do what God wants the way God wants it done? Ask yourself that question. Are you willing to put the work in to do what God wants the way God wants it done? See, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional in your walk. You've got to be intentional in your witness. You've got to be intentional in your work. You've got to be intentional in your worship. You've got to be intentional. And you've got to remember when God gives you another chance, come on, somebody thank him for another chance. When God gives you another chance, see, here's the thing I love about God. He is not the God of just a second chance. Because some of us have blown through that second chance a long time ago. He's the God of another chance. Come on, give me some hearts. Give me some thumbs up. Give me something in the chat room. He's the God of another chance. And when God gives you another chance, you've got to learn how to be intentional in doing the right thing to the glory of God. We're talking about doing it God's way. We're talking about giving God on the way worship. I told you, number one, you need to realize the biggest thing holding you back in life is you, not God or anyone else. Number two, you must be intentional about living God's way. You must be intentional about giving, living God's way. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you need to learn how to praise God while you're making progress in your life. You need to learn how to praise God while you're making progress in your life. Listen to me carefully. There's something therapeutic about praise, something therapeutic about giving praise, worship to God on the way. Uh, it encourages you. 
it, it inspires you. It reminds you of who God is and what God is doing in your life. Watch what the word of the Lord says. Verse 12, the king, King David, was told the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. Verse 13, after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. It was approximately 10 miles from Obed-Edom's house to the city of David. It's a grand celebration. Remember, I told you David came as a warrior king the first time. He comes as a worshiping servant the second time. He came in full regalia the first time, but this time he comes wearing a priestly tunic. David comes and he recognizes that God has given him a second chance. He's given him another chance to bring the ark of God back to the city of David. David decides we're not going to cart the ark this time. We're going to carry it. We're going to obey God. We're going to do it God's way. And the text says they carried the ark six steps. And after six steps, without death or disaster, David stops. He pauses the journey, and he offers a sacrifice to the Lord. He praises God. He gives thanks to the Lord after six steps. Now, listen to me carefully. The six steps was a short distance, but it represented the long distance between disobedience and obedience. After six steps. Now, there are some who would argue and say they stopped every six steps. There's nothing in the English or in the Hebrew translation of this scripture. There's nothing that denotes that they stopped every six steps. The text says after six steps, once they got affirmation and confirmation from God that they were doing it the right way, they paused to give God praise. They stopped. They recognized that God was worthy to be praised. They didn't stop as if they had arrived. No, they paused so they could give thanks to God and get encouragement for the rest of the journey. They had a 10-mile journey in front of them, some 8,600 or so steps in front of them depending on the gate of those who were carrying the ark. But the Bible says after six steps, they gave God praise. When you do it God's way, you have to learn how to praise God on the way. Let me say it again for somebody. Put that in the chat somewhere. When you do it God's way, you have to learn how to praise God on the way. You've got to learn how to worship God 
on the way. You don't wait for the arrival at the final destination. Why? Because God is worthy of praise and worship as you are making progress. You know, we just saw the NBA Finals conclude and the Los Angeles Lakers won the 2020 NBA championship and they and they celebrated they popped champagne and they jumped around when they won the Western Conference a couple of weeks ago they celebrated they didn't celebrate like they had arrived at their final desired destination which was winning the championship but they did celebrate the progress that was made See, every step along the way, you celebrate the accomplishment, even though it may not be what is your ultimate goal, because there's encouragement in the celebration. Can you imagine how they left after Uzzah had touched the ark and died? How dejected David must have been, and all of those who came, who viewed that effort as a failure, and a tragedy, and the ark of God was left at Obed-Edom's house. Can you imagine how they felt when they walked, how dejected they were when they walked away? After they made six steps, man, they shouted. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, listen to me carefully. If you're driving somewhere, you're on your way somewhere, and you see a sign a sign should let you know a couple of things. One, that you're on the right road. Two, that you're heading in the right direction. And three, you are making progress, right? So if I'm driving to Dallas from Houston and I see a sign that says Dallas 187 miles and then I see a sign that says Dallas 169 miles, I should have a level of celebration on the way. Now, I'm not going to get out at the sign that says 169 miles and act like I have arrived because I still have 169 miles to go. But guess what? I ought to feel better because I'm on the right road. I'm heading in the right direction, and I am making progress. David said praise is always in order when you are making progress to arriving at God's desired destination for your life. Give God some praise for your progress. Give God some on-the-way praise. After six steps, David said, I have gotten affirmation, I have gotten confirmation that I am doing right. Listen, you better look for God's confirmation on your life, God's affirmation on your life. You ought to be able to celebrate those things that God does. And watch this, when they come, they shout for joy and they blow the ram's horn. They shout for joy, saying to God, God, we thank you and we praise you. And they blow the ram's horn to get everybody's attention, to let them know that the ark has made it home. My brothers and my sisters, can you learn how to give God some on-the-way worship? 
Can you learn how to give God some on-the-way praise? I submit to you that some of you have not praised God like you should on your journey, and the reason is because you are still waiting to arrive. You're still waiting to arrive. Listen, don't, don't wait until you walk across the graduation stage. Man, give God praise at the end of the semester that you made it. Give God praise that you're making progress. Why? Because you're not only giving God some glory in the midst of it, you are literally encouraging yourself because praise is therapeutic. You encourage yourself in your journey as you remind yourself that you are making progress along the way. See, even six steps was worth a pause. And every pause is worth a praise. Don't, don't waste a good pause. <laughs> don't, don't waste a good pause. Even if you are stopping just to catch your breath, don't waste a good pause because every pause is worth a praise. Um, one of the things that I've learned in my life is that when, when a pause comes, I can choose to be bitter in the pause or I can make a commitment to get better in the pause. I can get bitter or I can choose to get better. Let, let me give you an example. We, we have been in this pandemic pause since March. And there was a lot of anticipation that we wouldn't be in this pause long. And so it was March, and people were saying, we'll be back by April, we'll be back by Easter, and then we'll be back by June, and then we'll be back by the 4th of July. And, and now here we are in October, and, and we're moving quickly to the holidays, to Thanksgiving. And there are people who have gotten bitter in the pause instead of taking the opportunity to get better in the pause. Uh, one of the movies that... Um, struck me that I really enjoyed was the movie Groundhog Day starring Bill Murray. And, and for those of you who are not familiar with the movie, uh, Bill Murray plays a reporter who is covering the coming out of Paxahani Phil. Paxahani Phil is coming out, right? Uh, the, the, and, and the, the, the animal that comes out uh, in Pennsylvania and see if he sees his shadow, and that determines whether it's going to be a long winter or, or a short winter. And, and so he goes, and, and, and they cover the story, and, and he's really not a really nice guy. I mean, you know, he's just, just, just kind of a jerk, you know. And they get caught in a snowstorm, and so they have to stay overnight. And he wakes up the next morning, and it's Groundhog Day all over again. And it's as if he gets caught in this time loop. And, and he doesn't understand it. He doesn't know what to make of it because he's the only one that realizes he's caught in this time loop. But every morning he gets up, and Groundhog Day repeats itself. And he gets to the point that he is dejected, he is, he's angry, he is frustrated. I mean, because he just, he just sees this as like a curse. 
And then he gets to the point where he tries to kill himself. And he comes up with different ways to try to kill himself. He electrocutes himself. He, he drives off a cliff. And it doesn't matter what he does to kill himself. The next morning, Groundhog Day, all over again. But something happens to him. He makes a shift from seeing Groundhog Day as a burden and a curse to seeing it as a blessing. And he starts doing things to better himself every day. So every day he goes back and he starts taking piano lessons. Now remember, he remembers what happens the day before, but people don't. So he starts taking piano lessons. And he becomes an accomplished pianist. And he starts, you know, sculpting. And he becomes an accomplished sculptor. And he, you know, learns about uh, a lady that he works with. And he begins to fall in love with her. And he learns more and more about her. And he learns from the mistakes that he makes in the prior days. And he becomes a better person. Until finally at the end, as he becomes the best person he could be, he steps out of the loop. And all of a sudden, when he wakes up the next morning, it's not Groundhog Day. It's the day after. And he's excited to live the rest of his life. Now, somebody may be asking, what's your point? Here's my point. You've got to learn that when you're in that holding pattern, when things don't seem to be moving, it doesn't mean that God is not moving. And when you don't feel like you're moving, it doesn't mean that you're not growing. That you can take advantage of those opportunities. That you can take advantage of that time. And watch this. While you are waiting for the big move of God and miscelebrating every move of God, you overlook the little moves of God. So what I'm saying is don't wait to celebrate the big move of God. Celebrate every move of God, even the little moves of God. Learn how to give God on the way praise. Too many times we judge success in life by arriving at a specific destination instead of learning how to enjoy the journey on the way. Progress may take long. Progress may not take you far, but progress is still worthy of praise. So here's what I want to encourage you to do when we talk about doing it God's way. Give God your best. Give God on the way praise. Don't wait for the battle is over praise. Give God on the way praise. Praise God in the midst of making the progress that God wants you to make. And as you do that, you will find encouragement for every step that you take. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you, God, for the ability to give you on the way worship. God, so many times in life, it's hard for us to even thank you when we arrive because we are already in the midst of another journey. 
of another trial, of another tribulation. And in the midst of these back-to-back trials and tribulations, we can't give you praise for, for what you have brought us out of because we see ourselves already in something else. But God, help us to learn how to give you on-the-way praise and on-the-way worship, to acknowledge your goodness, acknowledge your greatness, and acknowledge your grace in our lives. We bless you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're watching today and you need Jesus Christ in your life, you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, I want to encourage you to go to our website, to go to our app, and click the button, I want to accept Christ, but how? And there's a video recording there that I've done that will show you how to accept Jesus Christ into your life. If you'd like somebody to interact with you live, just let one of our hosts know on whatever virtual platform that you're on or drop us a message and somebody will contact you to walk you through personally and privately how to ask the Lord into your life. If you have accepted Christ and you want to know what the next steps are to help facilitate your discipleship, let us know. And we'll be glad to show you. Just go to our website, go to the app, and click on the button that says, I just accepted Christ, now what? And if you're looking for a church home, if you're looking for a people that you can connect with to help facilitate your growth and discipleship, your fellowship on the digital platform, we would love to help you and encourage you wherever you are in the world. Just click the button, I want to join the church. And let us know, our director of membership, our director of children's ministry, our director of youth ministry, uh, depending on who you are and what your interest is, they will be happy to walk you through how to become part of our church family on this virtual platform. I want to thank you for your love and support. Uh, For those of you who would like to support our church financially and practice good biblical stewardship through this ministry, if you're being fed by this ministry and touched by this ministry, uh, we would be honored if you felt led to support this ministry. I want to thank our members for your faithfulness in giving. I told you last week, man, I was just blown away. Uh, We distributed in our food pantry alone over the last year over 466,000 pounds of fresh produce and meat and milk and dairy products and uh, non-perishable dry goods. That's the people in our local community. And many of you who are watching have been inspired to volunteer and serve as well. Uh, We're talking about the Stuff the Truck campaign. We want to be a blessing to those who have been hit by Hurricane Laura and Hurricane Delta. Uh, All of those things are made possible because of your generosity. The kingdom work of God is continuing to go forth so that even if our campus is closed, we can testify wholeheartedly that the church of God is still open. And we're still supporting our missionaries locally, nationally, and internationally. Pastor Mark Sloan and his wife, Marshelle, are still preparing to go to Uganda 
uh, at the end of this year or early part of next year. We're, we're pulling together all of the resources that they're needing, and we would love for you to partner with us in taking hope to the world. Uh, you can support the work of the ministry through the Good Hope Church by utilizing any one of our giving platforms. And we counted a privilege to help you to help others in the world come to know Jesus and grow in the Lord. Uh, last but certainly not least, if you'd like to become part of a life group, a small group, uh, a home Bible study, all of these things are taking place on the virtual platform. And I'm so excited to see the life change that is taking place. Uh, we have people who are part of small groups and they're meeting from all over the country. And if you're in your locale and maybe you want to start a small group, we would love to help you do that as well. So if you just click on the life group tab, uh, we will get information to you on how to become part of a small group, a life group, or how to start one. And life group stands for living in fellowship every day. We believe that we are better in fellowship, in community with one another. Last but certainly not least, God is doing something wonderful in me and God is doing something wonderful in you. Let's give God some praise. Be all that God has called you to be. Don't forget, get out and vote. Make your vote count. Um, people died that we might have a right to vote. I voted. You must vote as well. All right? God bless you and God be with you is my prayer. Love to the family. Bye-bye.